prepare to hear the truth from a real whistleblower and American patriot. Here's civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and indefinitely suspended FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Good afternoon, good morning, folks. I know it's going to be some weird time that this drops out there. So I'm going to say, uh, first of all, Happy New Year. It's uh, December 31st of 2022, the last day of 2022. And uh, I wanted to share some thoughts, kind of tell you what I've been doing for the last couple of days. But let's go ahead and do a whole recap of this year and uh, what you could look forward to on the Kyle Serafin Show in 2023. So thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for uh, subscribing. We really appreciate that. I've seen my subscribers grow every day. And whenever you guys sign on to our Rumble channel, I actually get a little update. So I know all of your screen names, at least for a few seconds. And uh, I'm grateful for all of you guys wanting to hear what the, the mission is and what the uh, the message is that uh, me and producer Phil are sharing as this, uh, this weird time has been kind of progressing. So just a couple of thoughts as we close out 2022. It's been a very tumultuous year for myself, uh, for my family. I know it's been very strange for Phil, even though he's able to accomplish his decade-long dream of producing my podcast, which is pretty funny. Uh, something that he and I talked about when we were sitting on the street doing surveillance um, and not something that we actually thought was probably going to happen. But uh, circumstances are are very unusual. And uh, you know God's plan is not our plan. So I think that's kind of fun to see how things work out. So I just want to kind of go over what went down in 2022 and how I ended up here talking to you at the end of this year. Um, on this exactly one year ago today, I was sitting at home and I was about to be put on AWOL from the FBI as a special agent because I had decided that I would not swap my nose every 72 hours for COVID. Uh, I thought that was an absurd position to hold as a national security employee, someone who had a top secret clearance and had been a paramedic for over a decade at that point. It's a strange thought that your government would tell you that you have to test for a disease that didn't kill anybody in my age bracket statistically, and that I had been cleared medically a number of times and that I held a position of high national trust with um, with all the secrets that I wanted if I ever wanted to be read in on them. To have the, the Federal Bureau of Investigation come in and tell you that you've got to swab your nose because we can't trust you to stay at home with a Kleenex I made an argument that they should just take my clearance right then. Little did I know that they were going to do that just, just a few months later. So that is what ended up happening. Um, on March 4th, as the State of the Union went down, I was removed from the office. Uh, I'm sorry, I was allowed to go back to the office because Joe Biden's administration had decided that we were all safe again and everybody needed to stop testing for COVID and masks were now optional. So we all saw the goalposts moving in real time in 2022. And I think that's something that we should uh, we should embrace and we should not forget that it happened on our watch in real time. It was visible when they did it. And uh, anyway, March 4th, I went back into the office. I was immediately reassigned to a different squad. I experienced 11 documented uh, equal opportunity employment, uh, equal opportunity complaint retaliation actions. Uh, they're all documented in, in a case that I filed against the FBI, which we're going to find out next year in about two weeks. So I'll be uh, updating you when that happens. But uh, I was told by the Equal Opportunity Employment Investigator, an FBI agent, GS-14 uh, supervisory person at headquarters, she told me she'd never seen more than five documented. I doubled that and added more. And uh, so I'm excited to see that the Bureau denies their culpability because I'm pretty sure that's coming down the line for us here. Uh, I think Phil has very little faith in this process as well. But uh, long and short of it is, uh, I went back in the office on, on March uh, 4th. I got assigned to a new squad on March 7th, and then I was uh, promptly removed for maybe whistleblower activity, maybe for being a COVID vaccine, no thank you, 
Hard to say, but on April 18th, my badge and my gun were taken. So when you hear me say that I'm a former FBI agent, that's when I was relieved of all my duties and responsibilities. Um, but the FBI considered me a current employee from then on and still does for some reason. Uh, my name is still listed in the global email address list. And I've been offline for 250 plus days, as my friends like to tell me. Uh, they consider me an employee with no paycheck. My paycheck dried up on June 1st when my security clearance was confirmed as revoked. Well, confirmed as suspended. And uh, on top of that, uh, they determined that I did not meet the qualifications to be an employee. Most people would consider you fired at that point. The federal government gets to make up its own rules and continues to do so. So I'm in this weird limbo. For those of you who've been following my account since the beginning, you saw that I used to go by Schrodinger's agent. Um, you know, at Kyle Serafin was always listed as Schrodinger's agent. It was a simultaneously FBI agent and not FBI agent um, based on the way that you decided to read those tea leaves. Um, it's one of the reasons why I've spoken out the way that I have, because they essentially gave me a non-disclosure agreement and also a notice that I was no longer culpable for any non-disclosure agreements at the same time. Uh, this is the nature of the federal employment system, unfortunately. It just is a, it's kind of a mess and it doesn't have to make sense. The courts sort of back it up. There's not a lot of jurisdiction to fight it. So um, what has happened since that time? Uh, on June 1st, uh, as I said, I was, I was uh, confirmed for suspension uh, without a hearing. And uh, then I made some decisions to sell my home, which my wife and I did. And I joined Dan Bongino after a little bit of uh, back and forth on the on a phone call. Uh, I agreed to come and speak to him on a podcast, which has now been, I think, one of their bigger podcasts that they've, at least for this year, I think it was one of the biggest ones they did in 2022, but maybe maybe ever. Um, I uh, The week of September 21st, I had two interviews back to back. They were one hour each. Uh, for me, in my experience, I mean, I was wearing probably the same shirt. Uh, I sat down with Dan and we just talked for two straight hours. There was no um, plan. There was no uh, outline or anything like that. It was unscripted, just whatever was on the top of my head. So for those of you who have seen it, I'm really grateful that you went out and saw it and that you've decided to follow this podcast. Um, those of you who haven't seen it, go back and look on Dan's Rumble channel. I think it's worth your time. Uh, I still haven't gone back and watched it, but I did live it and it felt like it was important at the time that we were talking. The guys were pretty riled up. Uh, his producer, Guy, uh, was into it. And uh, there's a couple of little funny Star Wars references in there that got him excited, which tells you I've got some kind of sci-fi nerd at heart. Um, that opened up a lot of doors to me. And, uh, and Bongino has been a great friend to our family. Uh, in that he has kept his word and kept this conversation relevant. I think it's very important that uh, we don't fall off the radar, uh, not for my own sake, but for the sake of being able to keep the conversation about what's going wrong in the FBI up front and center for the American people. And, and that's what I've committed to doing. So uh, I went on and talked to Sebastian Gorka, who has also been uh, just kind of a stalwart in, in my camp and uh, allowed me to come and speak to his radio audience and his television audience. I'm really grateful for that. He's hundred percent. Uh, he's hundred percent faithful to the statements that he's made to me. Uh, so anybody who doesn't like his personality, you're going to find contention with me. I think Seb is a really good guy. He's also really funny. Uh, <laughs> and I can't, I love listening to his voice. So I, I enjoy doing his interviews, even if he's talking for most of it, I, I will still take that because it's fun to do. Uh, since then, we also talked to Jesse Kelly. Uh, I'm going to just go look at my list here. I, I had a conversation with Mel Kay, 
who I'd never uh, even heard of, but I'm really grateful to make her acquaintance. She's been a, a total sweetheart and and really uh, interesting and a supporter. Emerald Robinson, um, Kim Iverson. I just talked to Clint Russell, who is kind of on some people's lists of really unusual conversations that he has in kind of a libertarian sphere. Clint's a good guy. Enjoyed that conversation as well. Um, since that time, I've met James O'Keefe. I got to speak on the Turning Point stage in front of 10,000 people. Uh, last night, I had an hour-long conversation with Andy No, who's a, a known reporter on Antifa activities, and I think he's going to be sharing some information that that we talked about because I got to see kind of the way the FBI handled Antifa. You know, for a guy who only spent six years, and I say only in kind of a funny way, but a lot of people will say that's not that much time. Um, I have a very high bandwidth and uh, receptivity. I'm like a human sponge in a lot of ways. And I also have a networking capability that maybe a lot of people in the Bureau don't do. Uh, someone sent me their name on Twitter today, and I was able to find someone who sat next to him in the office in Boston in like three minutes. That was about how long it took me to vet and, and authenticate this person. So I just have a lot of connections that maybe a lot of that other agents didn't go and forge, or maybe they didn't have that instinct. Or, but in six years, it was pretty straightforward that I was going to uh, come into conflict with certain things. And I, I built a network of folks that, that that think the way I do. What one of my buddies named Graydon told me is called the tribe. Uh, you know, I've got a strong tribe within the FBI, and there are really good people. Doesn't mean it should survive, but I do have those folks. Um, so, you know, like I said, got to talk in front of this audience of 10,000 people. That's not what FBI agents dream of doing to be totally fair. I think Phil would agree with me. That's not the, that's not the spotlight we were looking for. Um, but it's where I did end up. So, so be it. Uh, and, and even today I'm, I'm doing something that you might find out about later, or maybe never comes up, but I'm sitting in a hotel room in San Diego. Um, <laughs> I'm on the road. So that's the, the background that is not my normal little space. And, uh, all of this has kind of pushed me towards committing to uh, regularity and a frequency and a uh, a format hopefully for the Kyle Serafin show which I'm very uncomfortable with the name still but Phil has already booked us he's already branded it so it's happening it's it's a thing um just wanted to kind of share with you what you can expect from from the Kyle Serafin show which used to be just whatever I said to my kids that was always the Kyle Serafin show every night but now we're doing something for all of you all um, number one, I've been broadcasting out of a small, uh, travel trailer that I'm going to tear apart and turn into a space that we can do like some real studio space. Um, if I, if things go the way that they could, we may be dragging this around and doing interviews in person with people. Cause it's, uh, it's mobile, obviously it's got wheels and, um, it could be a lot of fun that we get to go and talk to some people in, in person. Um, since my interview with uh, Sheriff Mark Kreider, I actually went and, and went to Walla Walla and, and met up with him and we had some really good conversations as well. So um, I'd, I'd love to be able to do some of these interviews in person. So that may happen, but you could expect a long form, unscripted, I hate to say things like Joe Rogan style, but essentially the things that made Rogan so famous was those long conversations where he just sat down and had a, a talk with somebody that was interesting. Um, I'm going to be doing those and sending them out on Mondays. And the idea is, is that we'll tape them beforehand. They're not going to be live, but they will be put out in a, in a way that you can space them out. They're not going to be, you know, uh, tied to a very, you know, time in, in the world. So they'll be interesting to you whenever you decide to listen to them. And anytime during that week, if you want to put them out, I used to always do my long drives on, on Wednesdays. I called it windshield, uh, windshield Wednesdays. And I would just drive out to the Indian reservation for work, um, or I would drive out for long interviews in places that were not close. So there's probably some day in your week when you want something to listen to that's going to be like a lot of time. Those are the days that you're going to want to listen to our, our Monday morning uh, drops. 
and they will be anywhere from probably an hour to three hours long. I'm not going to cut it off. If there's information to share, we're going to do it. If we get bored or somebody has to pee and we got to shut it down, then we'll do that too. But uh, you could expect a long form on Monday. And then uh, two more, probably Wednesday and Friday will be the, the likely days, but um, we'll ask your uh, forgiveness if there's some travel in between. And we will do uh, a little bit a little bit different segment. It'll be analytical from some of the articles that we're reading, uh, that I'm reading, that Phil's reading, that the uh, suspendables that you've probably seen now in the New York Times are reading. Uh, those are all going to funnel in and we'll do some long form analysis. It'll be discussions of the surveillance state that we're dealing with, uh, the way that the FBI is looking at you, the way the intelligence community is looking at you. Um, we'll have some reflections on things like the Twitter files and things like that, which I've been involved in some of those uh, those space discussions in front of a lot of people and just kind of sharing a perspective that is not easily accessible to many people. Um, having a background with the intelligence community, which I, I briefly did and, uh, and was able to work in DC where you really get to see what the belly of the beast is about. And then the ongoing discussions that I'm having in the background with people who do that kind of work. We're going to give you some of that analysis. So you'll get those things on Wednesdays and Fridays. You know, I'm going to try to keep it to an hour and I'm going to give you some upfront and the format should be pretty straightforward. You're going to hear what we're going to talk about. You can kind of, if we get really good, we even start breaking into some chapters for that hour for you, but uh, you'll always get the crime and punishment segment. We've got five years worth of office of professional responsibility adjudications, which is to say the, the evil and the, and the, and the banal that happens within the FBI and the, uh, the resulting punishments, which go everything from you know, drunk driving to, uh, you know, beating the hell out of your spouse and, and leaving your kid unconscious. These things, they happen just like any other population. But because I think the FBI has to be held to a high standard, we're going to share them with you. Um, we'll see how that works out and how much the uh, the Office of Inspector General likes us sharing their dirty laundry. I do think it's America's information. I think it is uh, everybody's right to know what they're paying for with their tax dollars. So you can expect those things. Um on a uh, kind of a more personal note, I'm I'm very optimistic that we have some some change in the in the tide. It's it's hard sometimes to see the way that this this year went down. We had uh, midterm elections that didn't go in a strong way for uh, the conservative movement, but that's not to say that we didn't gain and make incremental progress. So I'm going to, despite my own personal concerns about whether or not the, our congressional leaders are going to do the things that they promised us, I'm going to give them the space to operate, to do those things. And, uh, and then if they don't, you're going to hear us talking about it and hold them verbally accountable at least, uh, and try to push the envelope forward. Some of the things that people can do, I, I get, uh, kind of comments and people will ask, you know, how can we support what, what's going on? How can you guys, uh, you know, how can we move the ball forward? What do we do? Well, you know, everybody's looking for that action plan. And I think that is indicative of the way the conservative movement has been able to be on the on the back foot and really retreating across a lot of the things we've seen since 2020. We have, uh, we're historically, I don't get involved, you know, live and let live, you know, leave me to my own devices. Don't, don't get in my, my house and I'll stay out of yours. I don't think we can do that anymore. I think that if you have not looked down on the ground and drawn a red line and say that I'm not going to backpedal beyond this space. If you haven't set your feet and uh, decided what you're going to do, then you are going to continually be struggling to uh, to come up with a way to react. Um, when you're when you're training for law enforcement, we often talk about action beats reaction. It's something I mentioned in my little turning point speech. It's it's one of those those fundamental truths about human interactions that if you are not prepared to act 
positively, then you will react and you may not react the way that you choose to uh, if you have enough time to think about it. So I encourage everybody to draw those lines in the sand, whether it's what you're going to allow teaching of your children, whether you're going to accept certain types of um, you know, behaviors from your employer, um, make a financial plan, make a, an emotional plan, make a verbal plan, make a spiritual plan to be able to react um, before, or, or decide your action before these things are pushed on you. And if you're not ready to do that, then I think you're going to find that a lot of us are going to have that same regret that we had in 2020, where we're walking down the the one side of the aisle that uh, they drew in the, you know, with an arrow in the grocery store. And you're doing things like putting on a cloth face diaper that makes no sense. And anybody who's been in the military knows it's not a, a biological threat stopper. And, um, you know, it's just all these things that nobody was prepared to answer these questions. You've seen what they're willing to throw out. You can expect what they're going to be coming on with uh, next. And so if you're not predetermined what your response is, I think you will continue to find yourself backpedaling. So let's all make those decisions. Let's all decide that uh, what kind of country we want to live in and then start acting the way that we're going to do to be able to accomplish those missions. I think you also got to go out and meet all your neighbors. This is just Kyle's uh, two cents on there. But if you don't know the people that live right on your left and your right and across the street and down the hall and so on, uh, go do that now. Go meet the people. I think you'll find that one, they're human beings, even if you don't agree with things on politics, uh, they're human beings that have the same kind of hopes and dreams and concerns and fears and anxieties that you do. So go make them a human being. And that way you're not dealing with um, the unknown or that face that you're mad about. Uh, you can, you know, a lot of things can be handled at our local and community level. I think you'll be a lot more tolerant of people's, you know, weird quirks and they'll be more tolerant of yours when they see that you're a regular person. It's super important. In the 80s, uh, when I was growing up, I knew everybody that lived on my block. Uh, I know that wasn't the case for everybody, but that that was a standard for so many people. And so many of us today are transient and moving into places that we don't know. You know, go bake some cookies, go give a high five from somebody that you haven't met, especially if you've been there for more than a couple months. Uh, we should all know each other. And because we're going to come down to that point where we're going to have a decision for all of our chips. And so many of us are, are in this... Uh, this feeling of anxiety, this sort of psyop that's going on, they're pushing all this agenda. And if you're not, if you're not out there making the network connections, you're going to feel very isolated. It was one of the things that I did in, in the FBI that was really, really important was able to reach out across the spectrum, across the whole country and get people who knew they weren't going to get these COVID shots that knew that there was something wrong going on inside the bureau. That was something wrong was going inside the federal government and giving them at least a, a, an indication that they weren't all alone. So go and do those things. I think it's really important for us. Um, with all that being said, um, you know, you can also contact your congressman. You can go out and you can tell the uh, your senators what you expect from them. We need to really put the firm demand out there of, of what our elected representatives are representing from us. If they get 50 phone calls that says that they're expecting something, that may be uh, 50 of the 75 phone calls they received that day. You can move the needle with not very many people because the perception is the reality. And I think a lot more people than not feel the way that you might. So get your friends to call, um, pick up the phone, send an email, let them know what it is. You're going to get some generic response back. That's okay. You can do it again in another week. It doesn't cost much of anything and it doesn't take that much time. But get into the process. If you're just going to sit back and accept whatever comes your way, then that is... That is the, the the governance that you're willing to accept. And if you're not willing to accept it, then get active, all of us, whether it's uh, going out there and doing something. Like, I know what I did. I gave up my paycheck. I gave up uh, a shot for a pension. And I uh, I moved my family out of my house so that we could continue to do this thing. I'm sharing these things. I, I do not 
have a strong desire to be a public personality in any way. And yet I'm going against all my, my um, preserving instincts to, uh, to air these things because I think it needs to be said. And um, that's how we got some of the guests that we're going to be having coming up. So in this coming year, you're going to hear a bunch of different voices. And that's, that's really what I'm using this, this platform to do is to expose voices from not big names. I don't, I don't want to hear the, you know, I love what Peter McCullough says, but I don't need Peter McCullough to come on to tell me uh, a medical perspective. I'm going to have, um, you know, a doctor that you've never heard of who worked out of uh, Boston hospital. I'm going to give you somebody who worked in a rural hospital in Colorado, two different anesthesiologists who came up with two different ideas about what was happening. They probably don't even agree with each other politically based on where they live and how they live, but let's have those discussions and let's do the thing that we should have been doing since 2020, which is open conversation, open disagreement politely, and, um, giving people information to make their own decisions. You've got to make those decisions. So if you want to know where your line in the sand is, you're going to have to have some information. And that's what I'm going to try to bring you. I've got former FBI, retired agents, retired analysts, people who got fired, people who got canceled, um, people from inside what we would call the deep state, people that were working in that apparatus that can kind of explain to you from a very human perspective what it is, what it feels like to work there, um, how those things, you know, what the actual mechanisms are. So often people assume there's this cabal of people that are hiding in the back room, smoking cigars and, you know, deciding the fate of this country. And, and more often than not, it's like um, nerdy guys that have a pocket protector that are walking into somebody's office with a terrible idea and nobody says no to the bad idea fairy. So, um, so many times the, the, the simplest explanation is the case. And it doesn't have to be that, that, uh, you know, these people that are working at all these different uh, private entities now are working on behalf of the federal government. It's a lot of times it's because that's all they know. That's all they worked in for 30 plus years. And they got a pension and they walked out. And of course they continue to think the same way and their friends still work in those agencies. So it doesn't have to be nefarious for it still to be a malignant situation. So we're going to bring you some of these voices that you wouldn't otherwise hear people that probably wouldn't talk to a mainstream media type. Uh, they're going to talk to someone who has a similar background, who knows what the acronyms they're saying are. And by the way, I'll decode those as we go. The acronym game inside the federal government is every bit as bad. It doesn't matter if you're in the military or you work for the bureau or you work for anybody else. Um, they just say things for ease of use and, and they assume that everybody knows what they are. Half the time, I don't know what the hell the acronym means. So we're going to get those answers. We're going to ask the questions that you want to have asked that uh, if you put them out there in advance, we'll let you know who we're going to be bringing on. And if you have some deep burning question for the kind of person with the background that I'm bringing on, I'll ask the question for you and we'll get an answer. And uh, we'll uh, we'll come to some some interesting conclusions that I think that we wouldn't without knowing the information that we're going to have. So look forward to that in this next, uh, this year, as we come in and wrap up. And, um, you know, I, I said this on an interview, but I, I, if you told me that I would be suggesting that people that I don't know pray for this country when I was 25 years old, I would have laughed at you. That was not the life that I was living at 25. It's not what I would have expected of myself. Um, but this whole journey has been just a wild kind of spiritual experience for me, um, really a reawakening and, and a, a reminder that I'm not driving the train. Uh, and so many of us are not driving the train. You know, a lot of us look at America as being, you know, that city on the hill, that that temple um, that that is meant to be defended um, but I think we've reached that point where um, we're kind of the Jesus with the whip of cords driving out the money lenders. They've corrupted what it, what it looked like, and they have turned it into a thing that it was never meant to be. It was not meant to be a place of commerce, and um, at least in the temple sense. And, and America was never meant to be a place where, where ideas were censored or that free thought and free speech were not allowed 
or that we couldn't have a discussion with our neighbors or that we couldn't disagree politely and, and, and move on, that we all had to have this like homogeneity of thought. That's not the case. That's that's the brilliance of America. I mean, we have people from every country that have come here and sought to be part of this weird melding pot experience. That was my childhood. I don't know that my kids are going to get a chance to do it unless we all do something right now where we listen to weird voices. And, uh, and especially if you disagree with me, reach out to me on uh, the open DMs. I get the weirdest stuff you can imagine on Twitter. Um, I'm fairly familiar, familiar with what mental illness looks like after being a paramedic. So I get some of that. Um, I get people who don't like what I have to say. I'll engage you. I'm happy to talk with you. And if you have a really good perspective and you have a lot of information to, to share, um, we'll have you on the show. We'll have you on the show and do a long form interview where you can tell me how much you disagree with me. And we'll see if the, your ideas stand up to scrutiny because I'm more than happy to hear it. So um, all that being said, uh, happy new year and God bless America in this 2023. I hope that we end up in a place that is better next year than we are ending this year. And I'm hopeful that that will be the case. And, uh, I really appreciate everybody joining and listening to the Kyle Serafin show. I'm gonna let Phil give us our plugs and, uh, he's going to wrap us up with what we, uh, what we're hoping for from you guys. I know he could tell you where all the, uh, where the episodes are stored. Yeah, just a reminder to give the Kyle Serafin show a five-star review on iTunes and we'll read it on the show. In fact, maybe I could do one on the fly here as I remind everyone that we still have the Give, Send, Go out there. Link in the description box below. Go check that out. And, uh, you know, if you don't have any cash, prayers are readily accepted too. We appreciate the prayers. In a lot of ways, those are more important than uh, even some of the donations, but we appreciate the donations too. Uh, I'm doing it right now. Go to your iPhone or wherever you get podcasts. Look for The Kyle Serafin Show. And if you scroll to the bottom, you can give it a five-star review like this recent one came in from, what is this person's name? Ex-FBI Crypto writes, after 25 years of dedicated service, the Bureau suspended by TS clearance, then revoked Reason espoused conspiracy theory beliefs. Kyle speaks volumes and exposes the truth. So thanks, ex-FBI Crypto, for that nice message. We'll read yours, too, here on the Kyle Serafin Show. Final thought is that we are looking for sponsors. If you'd like to sponsor the Kyle Serafin Show, then please uh, reach out to us, and uh, we can talk and maybe even have you as a guest if we want to entertain your product. I love it. Um yeah, and I'm really grateful this year for producer Phil, who's been a friend of mine for years, but has been really stepped up into um, you know the mental health support of of just being in this space, having known what it's like. Uh, you guys who are listening or are, are not familiar, Phil was a, a FBI agent for 15 years and was the first guy that I met that was canceled, probably for holding some conspiratorial beliefs just like that, which was to say that January 6th was not an attempt to take down our our country's. Uh, you know, founding document and, and remove the rule of law, that it was some angry people. That is a actually convictable offense inside the FBI when it comes to the failure to, to buy into the orthodoxy. So we will continue to challenge the orthodoxy here. Um, I will have, like I said, guests that have contracting viewpoints, but I think what you're going to find is a very fair and balanced approach to this sort of thing in the way that maybe Fox News didn't doesn't have, because we're not beholden to any of the, uh, the owners or the money behind it. So Again, thanks so much for supporting The Kyle Serafin Show and go download these things. Put it on your uh, subscribe, your like, your uh, reviews, and uh, turn the notifications on so that you will get them. You can find us on, is it called Podbean? Yeah, Podbean's the main link, but you can find it on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you normally get your podcast.
And if you want to see the video version of it, check out our Rumble channel, which is just rumble.com. And you can search for Kyle Serafin, all one word, K-Y-L-E-S like Sierra, E-R-A-P-H-I-N, and like November. Thanks so much for listening to The Kyle Serafin Show. Happy New Year, everybody. We'll see you in 2023. Thanks for listening to The Kyle Serafin Show. Be sure to follow him on Twitter and Truth at Kyle Serafin.